Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Guru and the Wizard here for another session of uh, fantasy football, and uh, we're going to go back to the uh, beginner series today. Uh, we had a lot of fun the last couple of days talking about what transpired in the free agency period. We did the AFC and the NFC. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, certainly we've got a lot of things uh, going on in the world right now, so the, the, the distraction the last couple of days has been really good. Um, you know, we want to get back to kind of talking to those of you out there who are going to be starting uh, in fantasy leagues this year. So we're going to get back to that today. And uh, Wiz, how are you today? I'm doing, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the beginners it's, it's useful for, but I think we're going to talk about a lot of things that even veterans of fantasy football uh, and people who have been involved in leagues for, for many years, I think will find helpful as well. Yeah, that's that's actually really you know because I you know we we joke around a lot we we watch people in in drafts as we've done them over the years and we scratch our heads a lot of times we'll we'll talk about a guy who doesn't actually write things down or is not paying attention to what's going on in the draft you you and I both feel that's very paramount to how your draft goes you know we talked a little bit in the, in the initial beginner series about uh, auction drafts and 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 snake drafts. So we'll speak about both of those. But yeah, this is part of our preparation. And our preparation really starts now. The football season never ends there. In this day and age, social media has become a big part of uh, of the fantasy football landscape. Obviously, television networks, magazines that are out there, uh, Twitter, all kinds of things at your disposal. So, you know, I think Fantasy football is in your face even even now at this time of the year, and certainly the draft is coming up. That's an exciting time for all of us. So so we've begun our process, and, and I think one of the things that we want to start talking about today is is some of the things that we actually look at, who we may listen to, the the, the sites that we may use, uh, you know, for our leagues, and and how we kind of go about our process in uh, preparing for our drafts. Yeah, I think I think there are two things. One is um, how you do once you sit down to your draft, whether it's a live draft or, you know, an online draft, that's, you know, that, that's, that's one thing. But then the other thing, and it's equally as important, I think we both uh, believe that, is your preparation for the draft, how you prepare for a draft. And that's what we really want to talk about during this show is how we prepare for our drafts, what, what do we do? How do we um, get ourselves ready to do well in these drafts? And, you know, people, um, they, they bring electronic devices, laptops. They have a, their draft sheet on their laptop. They're keeping track of it all on their laptop or their electronic device, all of their information, their rankings, whether they're using sites or they, it, things that they've done themselves are on the, uh, maybe on, on electronic device, laptops they're looking at. And then you kind of have some of the old school guys, which I am definitely uh, in, in, in that member of where, you know, I'm good old pen and paper. Uh, I have my information all written down in front of me. Yeah, I'll be looking at my phone to see if a player has been dropped or hurt, which it, which has happened uh, and, and during drafts. So you, you need to, you know, look at that. But I, I like to have my notes that I've especially have written down and, um, and, and be prepared that way. And, um, 
it's been successful for me. So well, why don't we, why don't we talk about that? Um, so what do you do in terms of your preparations for a draft? Um, how do you come about this? Are you a type of uh, drafter that will bring his laptop? Are you looking at your electronic devices? Or would you say you're more in the camp of um, all of my notes have been written down and I'm going to use that as my basis for my draft? I'm a, I'm a pen and paper person. Um, I'll, the only thing I'll look at electronically is if there's any breaking news that maybe comes on the day of my draft. But, um, you know, I like to organize my, my players by position. Uh, I, I may write them out or I may even bring something that's been pre-prepared by maybe one of the websites or in a magazine. And I'll have that with me. But, you know, I'll have the players that I'm looking to target very much uh, written down and, and, and ready to go on, on that. And so and I think, you know, you talk about getting ready for a draft and there's just so, so much information that is available and thrust upon you. And I think that especially for those that are just starting out, you know, finding your way on who to listen to and what to listen to, that's probably one of the things that you kind of need to determine. It may take a couple of seasons to actually do that. I remember when I started in this, you know, people gave me, well, you look at this, you look at that. And and then as you go along, you say, oh, so this guy really did know what he was talking about. And this one didn't. And, uh, and you and I have spoken about this before. You know, that, that fantasy pro site is kind of interesting in this age of analytics that we're in, where they actually put analysts in fantasy football, you know, they measure them up against their competition. And you can see some forecasters who, who prognosticate better than others. And I think yeah, that's an interesting thing to look at, especially if you have a few seasons of, of um, success to look at. And I think, you know, you, you, you've been doing this a while. You've been successful at, at it. Um, I've, I've been doing it 20 years as well, and ha- I've had some good success equally so. So I think, I think the preparation is a big part of that. You know, we have already started preparing for our season right now as we kind of what we were doing yesterday and the day before when we were looking at some of the free agent moves, that's some of what we do. So, so the note taking has begun. Yeah. So how do you, you know, there is, there's so much information now and fantasy football is such a big part of the NFL there. They, they go hand in hand. Um, uh, the fantasy football community kind of in a way, is pushing the NFL in in a lot of areas and they're keeping it alive and keeping it vibrant and certainly a major part of it. But along with that is a lot of information overload. So how as somebody who's in, you know, several leagues, um, and even if you were just in one league, how do you kind of like wave through the minutiae? How do you look at, uh, which people to listen to because every beat writer is on Twitter and they're commenting what they've just seen in practice and they're reporting this. And then you turn on the NFL network and he's reporting that and ESPN, Adam Schefter has just heard this. How do you, at the end of the day, wave through all of that and not have a case of information overload? Yeah. So I think, if you've if you've partaken in this in in playing the season before, you know certainly you're looking at some of the things, some of the trends that developed during that season. And I do like to see how certain players finish the season, to see if players have kind of developed. So you want to look at that. There are a few guys that I actually do like to listen to uh, that I think ha- have a have an 
a little bit of an edge. You know, you mentioned beat writers. I think the beat writers that are actually watching those preseason practices, and I certainly hope we have preseason to watch, you know, the way we normally do in in, in these times right now. It's hard to tell what's going to happen. But some of those notes that come out of from the beat writers that come out of those practice sessions where they're watching literally all all, all of what's going on, I I think that's actually very important to, to, to jot those kind of things down. And so watching the notes on particular teams, I, I find that very, very useful for myself. I, I'm not really a big ESPN, NFL Network follower. For me, it's kind of a little bit more detailed analysis, people that are kind of on the ground seeing what's going on. And I think, you know, I think one thing, too, like watching the games during the season is really important. So, you know, some of that in watching a lot of games, you know, at the – during last season, for example, you know, I have a pretty decent sense of some of the guys that maybe I'm going to target in the upcoming season as a result of that. All right, so let's get specifically into how you go about uh, preparing for the draft. So, like I said, you know, people show up with just depth charts of NFL teams. They just want to see the players in front of them. They'll go about how they're going to draft those players their own way, but that's what they use. Some people will just put a sheet or rankings or look at their laptop of the best players available, and they are combining running backs, receivers, tight ends, everything's in there. And then others will break the rankings down position-wise separately. So with all of those, you know, uh, above previously above mentioned options, how do you go about it as far as draft preparations? Do you rank the players? And if so, how do you do it? Yeah, so I'll I'll write them down. Uh, I'll either write them in my own handwriting or maybe I'll bring in a pre-prepared one where I'm putting X's next to players I don't want versus players that I want. Um, I also come armed with an NFL schedule, which I think is a really important thing to have with you. There are bye weeks. Uh, you're carrying two quarterbacks, two defenses. So looking at matchups is important. The weather turns more sour as the season progresses. If you have a team that's on the road for all three of their playoff games against good defense, is that an offense that you really want to target? So, so having a knowledge of the schedule is important. Also bye weeks. You don't want too many players on your roster that are off in the same week. You know, so things like that are important. So the schedule is something I come with. But, I, you know, my own notes are, are written down. I bring some pre-prepared sheets as well. Um, depth charts, yes, definitely comes with me. And, you know, I think most importantly when I'm looking at my sheets, you know, I have a very good idea of, of, of what players I'm going to be targeting. So I think that's, that's, that's a focal point of, of players that I'm looking to get in my draft. Right, and you, you're bringing you're bringing those sheets, and um, you have do, do you do you have physical notes notes and notations next to players, or do you have a mindset? And in your mind, it's like kind of I know the players I'm targeting. Do you physically have that written down, or is it kind of a mindset? I think most of the time it's in my mind, but I may make some small notations here or there. And, you know, the, we, you have your elite players in, in football, and then you have your kind of what we call sleepers. And I, I definitely like to make a little collection of my sleepers, you know, guys that may come towards the end of a draft that maybe others aren't ranking really, really too high, but that you or I may think are going to 
maybe break out or have an opportunity for success in the upcoming season. So the sleeper, the, the sleeper category is something that I, I definitely, because that's a really important part towards the end of the draft where you're trying to fill out your roster either in a snake or a auction draft with low price players or players that go in the later rounds if it's a snake draft. So that's a, that's a really important thing. And that, and that definitely takes a lot more homework to look at that sort of thing. So it- you know, this wouldn't be a factor in a snake or serpentine-type draft, but when you're preparing for an auction draft in a complete redraft league where everybody's available, are you preparing prices for each player? Do you have that written down? Do you have that in your mind just what you think the player will go for. How do you, in an auction draft, how do you go about your preparation? Because it's different than a snake draft where that player in your mind is the best player available. And we'll get to snake drafts a little bit later. But in an auction draft is the element of the price. So tell me, talk to us about prices. Is that something you have predetermined in your mind, physically written down, neither, both. How do you go about that? Yeah, so so I think there are now, because there's more leagues that are actually looking at this, you'll see, um, you'll see auction prices in terms of certain websites will publish that or magazines will publish where they think it is based on the salary cap in your league. And if you're just joining a league or an existing league, you may want to talk to some people in the league to get an idea of, hey, what do really good running backs usually go for? What does a What's the average price for a quarterback? That sort of thing. So you might want to have some kind of insight. So, so I think you want to look at some of those prepared, prepared items that, 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 that are out there. I think one of the things that's a helpful tool is something called a mock draft. And there are auction mock drafts where an ESPN or a CBS Sports, for example, will have a bunch of prices that are out there and you're partaking in basically a fake draft to prepare for it and you can get an idea of where certain players are going for. And I think, and, and as you move through this preseason, you know, sometimes players that started really low on the totem pole to start of the preseason, but then all of a sudden they have a more elevated role in their team. That price will actually move in the course of the mock draft season, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that. And I think it could be helpful, especially for people starting out, but, to be honest, I find most of those to be completely useless because you'll be in a 12-team mock draft and you'll have one or two guys that are in there and they'll want to spend all of their money on three players and then they'll leave the, the, the drafting area. And it's not a true indicator of what's going to happen in your draft. I'm not sure how helpful it would be. I think it, it could help in in certain situations and to some extent and maybe you want to see what prices some players are going for but i think um you know experience and and preparation overall will be served best and i think you know one of the things that you you talked about information and and i think you you've talked about this with me before and 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 coaches have become very coy right like in terms of the amount of information that they actually let out because I think they're almost in in some instances they're they're very protective of what they let out. Have you found that that it, that's been a little bit more challenging to kind of read through when that's you know part of that information is actually harder to tell what what coaches are actually hiding or not. 
I mean, can you, let me just, I just want to share this funny story because I, I'm sure some people know about this, but I would say the vast majority don't. And you could just compare football now to football even 25 years ago, which is in like the 1950s. In the 1990s, the Cowboys are playing the Bills in a Super Bowl. And they're doing a live interview while the Bills are having practice. And believe it or not, the Bills are doing something in this practice with live reporters all around. And as this reporter is, is doing his little segment and the Bills are practicing, the Cowboys coaching staff happens to be watching. And for the first time ever, Jim Kelly is in a shotgun formation. And they've not done it before. The Cowboys had not seen it before. And just from this little, little segment, the Cowboys had a grasp on what was coming up in a Super Bowl. Now, could you imagine a Bill Belichick or Nick Saban coach team allowing that to happen in this day and age? No, not, absolutely not. Not a chance. He'd be, Just think about he'd, like he'd be, the, he'd be hauled off by armed guards. Yeah, yeah, and that reporter would probably not be doing any work for those teams for a long time. But it just goes to the point of, of what you were saying about being coy. And I just don't think there's a lot of transparency when it comes to injuries, when it comes to key injuries, when it comes to the extent of injuries, when it comes who's going to get playing time. Is this quarterback going to have a short hook? Is he going to stick it out with him no matter what? I, I just think teams realize that they have so much information that's going to be passed out. They really, really are coy, keep it to the vest. And in some instances, quite frankly, are very deceitful. I mean, there's no other way of saying it. I think teams have become uh, a little tricky and, and in some, in some instances kind of deceitful and they use that injury report to their advantage and uh, they're really, they're really not trying to be transparent. I don't think. No, I would agree with that. And I think that just goes to, you know, you, you went back to talking about preparation and how you go about it. And I think that's why it's really important for individuals that are getting involved in this to really figure out who's, who's, Good with information. You know, social media is a big part of this now. So like you mentioned, beat writers do put a lot of stuff out there. You do want to look at that sort of stuff. You know, players that are going to get opportunities. You know, watching the games is a very key ingredient during the season. And I think, you know, we watch a lot of football during the year and, and we learn a lot by watching football. So just like we're not, you know, you're not able to watch football you know, in the preseason. It's a little bit harder other than the games. You're not able to watch every practice. But you should listen to some of the people that are watching all the practices and, and maybe have a little bit different perspective on things. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But, I, you know, as I, I just uh, said a few minutes ago, I, I think to learn that and who you can really rely on with 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 good information has to take some time and, and you'll get that over experience. But I just want to say one last thing about, like, transparency and a lack thereof also it's the it's the difference in in people that you will talk to for instance um if a seahawk player gets caught off the field literally Pete carroll will say the guy is probable for next week 
while you get a guy like Bill Belichick, he listed Tom Brady as questionable with a shoulder injury for like four years straight on the injury report. Yeah. So you have to kind of like decipher who's overly optimistic, who's transparent, who's not, and take that kind of with a grain of salt and, and kind of let your eyes be the best guide of, of when it comes to making judgment calls. And I think you and I both where we're going here is that we do do a lot of our own homework and, and we look at a lot of different things. Our process starts this time of the year. You know, we'll kind of talk about in, in a couple of weeks time uh, preparing for the NFL draft because there are certain players that may come out of this draft that actually are positioned to be successful right away, uh, depending on the team that they land on. There are a few teams out there right now, for example, where there's two quarterbacks, like the Bears, for example, that have two quarterbacks that the two guys are going to be competing for that job. So you're going to want to know exactly what's going on there. So so things like that are, are really important. And, and, and yes, you're going to be inundated by the different shows that are out there, whether it's the ESPNs or the NFL Network or CBS Sports Line, all these different things that are out there. You know, you got to be able to you know, parse through what you think is is helpful and, and, and what you think maybe just be noise, which which happens a lot. Right. And um, when it comes to your, you know, sticking with the, the preparation aspect of it, do you kind of like, at least I do, it's kind of like a sculpture and you're chipping and chipping and doing things as it gets closer and as it gets closer to the season, you may have some ideas and that will evolve over time. And as it gets closer to the actual draft, you're hoping your sculpture in this analogy is ready to go and you'll be successful with it. I mean, do you change, evolve, add, subtract things as I do as kind of gets closer to the date of the draft? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the latter point that you just made in, in terms – I like the sculpture analysis because you know, the one thing with this is you're not going to walk out with all of the top – no matter what league you're in, you're not walking out of there with the you know the 10 best players in the NFL. You're going to have a team that is, is a mix of, of, of star players, uh, some role players, some, some solid players, and then some kind of – Throwing some stuff against the wall, where you're you're taking a literally taking a flyer on an individual, thinking that that player can can do very well as the season evolves. It may not be the case at the start of the season, but as the season wears on, it could be the case. So so that's what your your roster is going to look like. And actually, you know, you talk about sculpturing. Um, you know, I look at a player. I'll, I'll use a player for, for example in Debo Samuel, who last year finished the season very strong, played great in the Super Bowl. And in the postseason, you know, has a slightly different situation, you know, coming into this season. And he's a player that, I, you know, I'm looking at right now that that is ready to take the next step. He had a good season in his rookie season, but he's a player that's going to, I think, have a much better second season. And that actually started at the end of last year. So looking to see some of those trends that happened late in the year, I think it's good to maybe go look back. You look back at some of the stats from last year and, and see what previously happened. That That is something that I do think is important as well. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying and what you're getting at. And we'll, we'll definitely talk, obviously, specifics of players and, and, um, and, and draft strategies, which is different than draft preparation, we'll get into. But, you know, there's another aspect to 
draft preparation that is very, very rarely talked about, if ever. And that's kind of the mental preparation. And what do I mean by mental preparation? Well, at drafts, you have to be mentally ready for pleasant surprises, disappointing surprises, frustration, outright anger. Um, These things happen. If you've done these drafts, and we've done a lot of drafts over the years, all of these things happen. And you know, you mentioned it. You're not going to get all the top players. You're not going to get all of the players you want. You're probably not even going to get a, a, a high percentage of the players you want. You know, people are kind of looking at the same thing. Um, it's, it, it, it's, it's not easy. Ideally, you want to get as many of the players you want on your roster. Uh, if you could have some nice combination of the elite players and some sleepers, that's wonderful. But I want you to talk a little bit about something that's very rarely talked about fantasy football drafts is the mental preparation, how you recover from a player that you've waited five months to draft. And guess what? Somebody in your draft has been waiting six months to draft and you thought you were going to get him for this price and the price just got to an extreme point. You're not getting the player. That's the frustration surprise or the unpleasant surprise. Then the player that you get for a dollar or two that you thought was going to go much higher and you feel great about that anger, different things. Talk a little bit about managing mental preparation for what's going to occur at a draft. And, I, and I'd say bo- both applicable to both auction and, and even a, a serpentine draft is, is flexibility is necessary. And I, I think almost every time you come into a draft thinking how the draft is going to be, and I would say almost every time you leave the draft being surprised at certain outcomes and not surprised by others. So, so yeah, you may have come into a draft and you think that quarter, let's say an auction draft and quarterbacks are going to be priced relatively low, but you get in that draft, you sit down and all of a sudden there's a trend that develops that all of a sudden quarterbacks are going for a lot more money than you thought you were. So you need to shift gears and and adapt to what that, to, to that change in, 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 in atmosphere. And I think, Flexibility is necessary. You got to be calm. You have to pay attention. You need to be watching the road uh, and and two hands on the wheel. And I think that's knowing what other people are doing around you, like their their roster comp, you know, the composition of their rosters, is also important to know. You got to write that sort of thing down. So so that that is important in the context of your draft. But I think you have to automatically realize that you are going to be surprised at every fantasy football draft that you're at by something or another. You, if it's a snake draft, someone's going to take a player that you thought would go in the seventh or eighth round, and lo and behold, he goes in the fourth round. You know, that happens, and, and that means you got to change your game plan based on that. Yeah, I think the way I look at it is that the best way to um, deal with that is to have backup plans and then backup plans for your backup plans because you may go in there and think these three players I'm going to get, nobody is aware of these players, and then you get one or you get zero of those three players. Are you going to allow that to ruin the rest of your draft? I've seen it happen 
a million times to people. So the best way to remedy that is, okay, this is ideally what I want to do. If I'm not able to accomplish that, this is my backup plan. This is my plan C, this is my plan D, so on, so on, and be able to adapt to each and every situation. And look, I, I am as experienced in these drafts as anybody, but it still can get frustrating, aggravating, annoying, anger. You're feeling all of those emotions, uh, even, you know, and of course, some good ones, surprise and happy about a player that, you know, you were able to get a relatively inexpensive price, but it's tough to, you know, remain calm sometimes. And uh, I think, I think temperament is extremely important, even to the point that I, I think it's, 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 it's not talked about, it's quite overlooked, but it can get to the best of us. And uh, you have to, you have to be careful with that. Yeah, and I think, like I said, it, it happens to your point, it happens to all of us. And, you know, we were partners in a league last year for the first time that we were partners together. And we did go into it even before the draft. If you remember our preseason discussions, um, we had plan A, B, and C, what we were going to do at quarterback, what we're going to, we, we literally had this plotted out. And so we were less surprised when it, when it happened. Now being in that room that was all going on. Yeah. You had to deal with some, some emotions and, you know, certainly we were chirping in each other's ear when it was going on, but but we definitely had multiple preparations. So any surprises that did come up, we were prepared for those surprises. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think um, I think I think that is um, that you know that that's that's definitely a good point. And you know, this is why we've talked about uh, how important the preparation is. So you have the draft preparation of the players and then you also have to prepare yourself uh mentally and you know keep things even keel and be prepared expect the unexpected um and and be prepared for that and uh and and be able to uh you know pivot off that and um and 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 still make good decisions and don't let one upsetting or two upsetting bids that didn't go your way. You didn't get the player. You got the player, but you paid way more for them than you were expecting. You just can't let a few instances uh, ruin your draft and, and ruin your team. Uh, you know that 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 is way more. You know that is way more frustrating than actual the players uh, that that's happening to itself. So I think uh, I think you're right on about that. You have to you you have to plan out for it as well. And I think, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a card game or poker mentality that goes to it, too, because you don't want to you got to be careful on what like even if you're excited about a player coming out and you deep down know how exciting it is when the player that you are really interested in comes out. But you want to be a little bit cool about how you go about it. And, uh, you know, and definitely. And we're going to talk a lot about the actual drafts, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get into it. We're trying not to allow this to spill over. It's difficult sometimes to actually separate it, but we're just trying to keep this kind of to preparations uh, for drafts, but to your point, certainly about, you know, keeping cool and, and, and trying not to be overly emotional. Uh, was there anything else, uh, you know, we want to talk about auction draft preparations or things you do or you suggest um, as far as, 
what they need to do leading up to the draft. So it's interesting. I, I was a trader in my, you know, in my in my former career, and uh, one of the things I always had at, with me was a notebook. I, I you know, I I used past experience to teach teach me how to handle a situation when it came up, so you can kind of look back in history. I have a notebook that I come ready with each season. I'm writing things down, and I think it starts now. So I, I, I recommend um, people carrying some type of journal with them to, to, to jot their notes down. That's, that's, the, that's the one thing I would say. Okay, I think, I think that's interesting. I want to touch base quickly on snake draft preparation. Obviously, with the snake draft preparation, it's, it's not as um, – it's it, it, it's not as involved as an auction draft because you're you're not in an auction draft you're dealing with players and then you're dealing with the prices of the players while a snake draft you're dealing with just players so I, I know you haven't been in too many snake drafts you've kind of been like um, you know helping a few people and and being in more of a in in, in a support role in guiding people as their draft goes. Um, so what I would say as far as preparation for snake drafts, um, here's, here's just a few things that I like to do that I think would be very, very helpful. And I think even though, you know, we find auction drafts much more fun and much more exciting, I, the majority of drafts are snake drafts. Um, that I'm not sure how long it's going to take before that trend, uh, you know, flips. People just like the convenience of snake drafts. So, what I the a few points I'll make about snake drafts is this is the most at least when I'm looking at it. Here are a few key things to do when you're making a, your snake draft pick. It doesn't matter if it's the first round, the fourth round, or the twelfth round. You have to make that pick with your next two or three picks in mind. It, 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 you can't just look at a draft and just say, okay, this is round two. I'll deal with rounds three and four as it happens. No, no, you, you have to have rounds three in rounds two when you're picking, you have to have rounds three, four, and five at least, uh, if not more, in mind what you're going to do strategy-wise um, because – it's about positions and you may have to take a player like you may have to take a wide receiver that you may not think is in other words you may have to take like a wide receiver on your board that you have as like the eighth best wide receiver over a running back that you have as your sixth rank running back you have to look at the flow of the draft you have to keep your next several picks in mind as you're making that pick. And then ideally, you want to kind of be, the phrase I like to use is a trendsetter. What you want to do is you kind of want to beat people to the punch. If no tight end is picked, you want to try and kind of be the guy who makes that first tight end pick. And then while there's, let's say, 10 or 12 spots that are going to be picked before you pick, maybe by picking that tight end, you can set off a run of tight ends and maybe two or three of those 10 or 12 spots that are going to be until your pick are used up by tight ends. So you feel you have the best player at that position 
and then you can still attack the other positions because you set a trend in a certain position. It's 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 not easy, but you know, snake drafts are are, are a different animal than auction drafts. So those two things. Think about your next two or three picks at least in mind when you're making your pick and try and be a trendsetter with your pick. Um, you know, you've had, you know, over the last couple of years, advisory roles or supporter roles, anything yeah. you wanted to add in terms of these serpentine or snake Yeah, drafts? so I, I, uh, I'm a consigliere to, uh, to a couple of Australian guys uh, that, I, that I worked with. And um, when I'm talking to them about, draft strategy, I'm doing exactly what you're doing. So let's say we take a premier running back with our first pick um, in, in, in the first round. Let's say it's the they have the fifth spot and they take, uh, let's say they take Ezekiel Elliott with that fifth pick. I will then start talking to them about, okay, let me know who's coming along, like the rest of the picks that are coming out. So if I was physically sitting at that draft, I'd be watching the same thing. But as you're, to your point, you want to know as the as the draft is evolving, you're seeing a certain position that maybe is taking over. So let's say there's a run on receivers, as you said. Hey, we got to get one of these receivers now. Receivers are going faster than I thought, and we'll worry about the quarterback later. And this is, or and to your point about trend setting, this is a time to take one of those elite tight ends. So you take one of those elite tight ends maybe at the beginning of the third round. So yes, looking you constantly have to be looking at the map, and 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 that's. That's a great piece of advice that you gave. Yeah. And the, the other thing I must say about snake drafts, you know, I, I know we, we talked about this when we did our, when we were talking about different types of drafts, we were talking about snake versus auction draft. And I know I mentioned this is that when it comes to snake drafts, unfortunately I prefer online drafts because they have a time limit before you make your pick. I am in a few snake drafts and I know of other snake drafts where there's no time limit to make your pick. And I can't tell you how frustrating it's bad enough. Even if a pick is made every two or three minutes, if you're sitting 12, just think about that for a second. Even if somebody's taking two minutes, which in real time is not that long of time to look at a pick and you have to wait 12 picks. That's basically in real time, 24 minutes. Unfortunately, in a lot of snake drafts, even in the few that I'm in and others that I know about, people are taking way more time. So anyone that can hear this, let me just say this. If you are conducting a live snake draft Put a timer on each pick. And I know you don't want to be that guy that says your time's up. But in order to conduct a draft in a right way, you have to be that guy and say, okay, whatever it is, five minutes for the, you know, three minutes. It really, the first couple of rounds should be relatively quick. But you should have a time limit. So honestly, if you can't make your pick by that time, the next person just makes their pick, and then you just go. That that guy goes goes next. Um, it, it's really frustrating. And I'm in a draft where probably eight of the twelve teams are looking at their laptop and they're staring at it, and they're staring at it, and they're staring at it. And there's an old adage that I like to use: "You think long, you think long. You have to be decisive with these picks. And what you really should be doing is 
when it comes up to you and you're like three picks away, you should have two, three guys in mind that, okay, this is a guy I want to take. If he's not available, then it'll be him. If he's not available, it'll be him. I don't understand why everyone is not using that strategy, at least when it comes to their picks, having players in mind. I mean, yeah, I, um, I agree with you. You just beat me to the punch. You want to have a queue. You want to have a queue at positions so you you are prepared in the case in case something doesn't go the way you think that you have, as we talked about before, plan A, B, C, same sort of thing in this kind of scenario. I mean, just think about this. We're in a couple of weeks. We're going to watch the NFL draft, right? And in the first round, each team has ten minutes to make their pick. I think uh, maybe even fifteen. Some, somewhere between. T- yeah, ten minutes. I think it was it's fifteen. 10. I think they moved it's, it to ten. It's ten now. Yep. Okay, so can you imagine, you know, it goes down and they've waited all of their 10 minutes and it's five, four, three, two, one, and it says zero on the clock, and then you have Roger Goodell going, come on, Cincinnati, we're waiting here all day, make your pick, and the other teams are yelling at him. No, that's not how it works. If you do not make your pick, guess what happens? The next team picks like immediately, like as fast as they can get the pick out, they make their pick. And by the way, it, it, this isn't conjecture. This has happened. And of course, who has it happened to? The who is the took the brunt of this in NFL history? The Vikings <laughs> in the 2003 NFL draft. The Vikings were trying to conduct the trade, and they ran out of time. And two teams picked before they got their chance to get that pick out that was scheduled to pick after them. So I know you don't want to be that guy, but if you're conducting and you're the commissioner and you're running a live snake draft, set a timer and, and, and stick to it. Always be prepared. Always be prepared. And we've used that word a lot, preparation. So uh, same, same goes for that. So I agree. I, I, like queuing up names, very important. All right. Absolutely. Fantastic. Excellent. So this has been, uh, this has been another fun uh, afternoon. We're going to continue this on, but hopefully uh, everybody has found this uh, helpful today. Uh, we'll wish everybody a good afternoon now. Brett, you enjoy uh, the rest of the weekend, and uh, we will catch up next week. Absolutely. You do the same. 